Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and the modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hey, everyone. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations Church, and I'm here today, as always, with my friend and the lead pastor at Generations Church, Jeff Ludington. Good morning, Jeff. How are you doing? Oh, good morning, Rob. I am well today, man. I, I think uh, one of the last couple times uh, we did this, I was super, super tired, and uh, I feel good today, man. I, I got to be honest. Uh, busy, busy, crazy stuff uh, in life, but good, man. I, I got to tell everybody, man, I like my life. I like, uh, I love podcasting with you. I love pastoring this church. It is the craziest season ever for pastoring, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's other hard times in, in life, but, uh, but I uh, love teaching at the school with you and I uh, don't, we don't teach together, but we teach at the same school and in the same department in the Bible department. And, uh, yeah, man, good stuff. I'm excited to wrap up the catechism and then kind of sad, like this has been good. Like, you know, it's sad in a good way, man. Like, hey, this has been really good. Um, all good things come to an end and we will start something new. But yeah, excited, man. I'm, I'm good today. So thank you for asking. Not right. Well, you if you want that. to, man, we can always, yeah, we can always go back and start over when we're done and get it right this time. Maybe. Yeah, totally, man. We, we call on some reinforcements or something. I don't know. But uh, hey, so if you're joining Rob and I today, we don't always just, well, yeah, we do. We pretty much always do this. But uh, we are working through a 450-year-old document that was a training resource for the church, is a training resource for the church, and has been for 450 years. And it is called a catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism. A catechism is a way of training or discipling by uh, a disciple or a leader of some sort, uh, taking a student and asking questions, and there are memorized answers. Kind of the same way in school where we learn true things, we memorize a date, however we do it, in 1492, whatever, you know, we kind of have 17, we memorize dates, right? So it's the same thing. We're memorizing truth, and uh, the, it is truth not because it's in the catechism. It's truth because it's in Scripture, and the Heidelberg Catechism goes through some beautiful, profound things, uh, the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, uh, the Ten Commandments. Uh, that's in backwards order, by the way, so it did it the other way, but uh, we are in the Lord's Prayer, and we're working through each line or petition of the Lord's Prayer. So today is the third petition. So I'm going to ask Rob the question. He's going to give the answer, and we are going to discuss it. And as Rob said earlier, kind of tie it to modern day themes and connections. All right, man, you got your vocal cords all limbered up. You ready? I'm ready, man. Let's go. All right. I want it to sound really good. All right. So here we go. (laughs) What does the third petition mean? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means help us and all people to reject our own wills and to obey your will without any backtalk. Your will alone is good. Help us one and all to carry out the work we are called to as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. Can I just say just for a minute, man, I had not heard the words backtalk, I think, since I was a teenager. So I don't know if that's a common modern uh, 
you know, phrasing. I don't know if people still say, hey, don't backtalk me. But that was my southern grandmother uh, from uh, my my stepdad's mom from Texas. Boy, that was her line. Don't backtalk me. And so if that is not a common saying today, it's don't argue. Right. Don't talk back. Don't 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 question even in a sense, not question in the uh, in the argumentative sense, not in the I want to know more sense. But, man, we're asking in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, what does that mean? And uh, I think uh, the learning to surrender our will and to seek and pursue and do God's will is the heart of what that's saying, right? That God's will alone is good, that we reject our wills. But let me, I'm going to posit a problem to you first, Rob, uh, and I'll give you two examples. One, I remember in, uh, I got injured, a uh, major, major back injury in 2001. In 2002, I had a major back surgery. As I'm being, uh, uh, as I'm out of surgery and I get to see my wife for the first time, God bless Lisa for putting up with me and all that back pain, by the way. Um, the first words I said to Lisa, and I don't really remember them. She's repeated this to me over and over again, uh, but it, it brings it to my memory. Uh, I, t- I looked at her and I said, I'm out of pain. And the surgery had had removed the pain that I was living with every day, uh, which was a ton. And uh, I remember thinking that I had become so used to being in pain. I knew I was in pain. I didn't realize how much pain I was in. And when I got out of pain, it reminded me what being pain-free felt like. And I, and I think that our will is so ingrained in us that we can't even comprehend what it would be or what it would feel like or what it would be like to not be so caught up in our own will. I'll give you one more example, and I'll just kind of leave it to you. Uh, all of us, and I, I'm not putting anybody down, I'm not trying to be inconsiderate, but all of us have known that homeless person that we've, we, we've encountered that does not smell good, right? That they have just uh, been homeless, not showered, aren't clean, and have been that way, and we smell them, but they're, they're used to their own smell, their own scent, not in a good way, right? So I think our will is like that pain that we live with all the time. We know it's there, but we're not even aware of how profound. It's like that smell. We probably know it's there, that homeless smell, right? That, we, that thing that everybody else can see maybe, but we are so used to it that we uh, don't even recognize it anymore. That's what I feel about our will, Rob. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that that often we say we want to do the Father's will, um, but I know in my own life sometimes I I tend to think that my will and the Father's will are the same. Like I'm doing His will without even stopping to think. And I, and yeah, for me in this, um, as soon as it popped up, you know, just the idea of my will and God's will, um, Your will be done. I, I immediately jumped to um, Jesus's prayer in the garden, right? Matthew twenty six thirty nine, and going a little farther, He fell on His face. And prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And I think for me, that brings up a, a couple of questions. I mean, we see Jesus acknowledging um, that his will is one thing and God's is the other. So it, it brings up the question of how are we to understand these two natures of Jesus um, where there is some conflict between his will and the Father's will? They're not aligned. He's willing to give up his will for God's, uh, the Father's, but they're not quite aligned. And then going from that and focusing on on our part of this, 
Um, what are some practical ways that we can acknowledge what our will is and then try to bring our will in alignment with God's or allow God to do that for us? Hmm, that's great. That's actually really good. Uh, if you consider that we are, we are now discussing two lines from two different prayers of Jesus, right? One is Jesus teaching his disciples a prayer. Not When I say that, I'm not sure that he meant for them to repeat verbatim this prayer, but teaching them to pray. They say, hey, Jesus, teach us to pray. He gives them this prayer. It's very simple. It's got many petitions in it as we work through them. One of the petitions or one of the phrases is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is praying this prayer or giving this prayer to them where he is teaching them to pray to God, God, your will be done on earth here as it is in heaven, right? In other words, let us surrender our wills to yours. Let your will be done. And then Jesus in real life, his real life, not that teaching his disciples in real life, but then Jesus goes and has a hard day, and, and a hard day is an understatement, right? He's about to be betrayed. He knows he is going to be beaten beyond human recognition. He knows he's going to the cross, one of the most violent and brutal ways anyone can die. He knows what lies ahead of him because he is divine. He knows, right? He's also in communication with God. He knows the plan, right? So Jesus goes through this, and in a moment of, human, of, of, of clear view of the humanity of Jesus, he prays, Lord, if there's any other way, God, if there's any other way, let there be another way other than me going through the, the, the beating, the crucifixion, the death, the torment, right? But like in the same breath, he's like not even got it out of his mouth and his humanity where his connection to God, his divinity kicks in. He says, but not my will, but your will. And so we see a, a conflict inside of Jesus, right? I know your will, God, and I feel in my human flesh something contrary. So immediately he submits his own will to God's will, not my will be done, but your will, right? So it, he's, if there's a, uh, here's how you do it in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then there's a fulfillment in Jesus' life. Not my will, but your will be done. Like, here's my will, God. My will is, I don't want to go through the cross, right? But your will be done, God, not my will. We see this law fulfillment or promise fulfillment or teaching fulfillment. Jesus here's, he says, here's how it should be. And then Jesus lives it. And you've got to remember that Jesus, in the what theology calls the hypostatic union of Christ, is that Jesus is 100% God and Jesus is 100% man, right, human. And so he had to be human to, in order to endure and fulfill all the commands that we are called to live out, that we all fail. But he also had to be 100% divine in order to be the perfect sacrifice for all of humanity. See, the death of Jesus wasn't the death of one man covering a bunch of men, right, a bunch of humanity. It was the death of God, right, in, in that moment, right, that, that the divine Jesus, the Son of God, is given to rescue humanity, right? So we have these wills inside of him, these natures inside of him at conflict, and yet the submission to God. And so that's where we need to be, right? And I think that the things that Jesus does that are applicable to us, you asked about some practical things, right? 
One, how do we discern God's will? Uh, I would say we need to be, as a church, the church in America needs to be much more in the Word of God, much less in social media and news and, you know, the world, right? Letting the world shape what we think God wants from us. But be in the Word of God, man. Be in a Bible-teaching church. If you're in a church that quotes a verse on a Sunday and then talks for 30 minutes about that verse, and it's mostly the human being talking and not God talking, man, I would say find a Bible teaching church. That's not to knock anybody. I'm saying you got to be in a Bible teaching church. If you're in a Bible teaching church and you show up on Sundays, you go home and you think that's enough for you during the week, man, start reading the Bible. We've got a reading plan we're doing every day. We've promoted the Read Scripture app. I'll put it in the show notes below. But then get involved in a small group that works through Scripture. Uh, man, we just, in order to discern God's will, we need to hear from God, right? We've got to pray. This is about prayer. Not my will be done, but your will be done, right? God, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like we need to be in prayer. And so one, know God's will. Two, be in prayer. Three, we need to know what our will is. We need to be clear on what is ours and what is God's. Where Jesus is very clear. If there's any other way, God, I don't want to go to the cross. I mean, that's really what he's saying. I don't want to suffer. But not my will, but your will be done. We need to be able to distinguish between the two. And I think there's a blur today. I think most of us, so saturated in our will, like back pain, like, you know, like the smell <laughs> that I mentioned earlier, that we're so saturated, we don't know the difference, right? And as we discern the distinction between the two, we learn what God's will for my life is, and we learn where our will is. And whenever they're in contrast, now we have a choice. Now we have a place where we can pray and surrender ourselves to God. Hey, God, this is what I want, but I feel like you're in a different place. And so, God, help me surrender my will to your will. I think those are practical. I think those are something we can do. Yeah, I think that's it's important for us to know. I think the very first step in all of this is just to realize that we don't know a lot of times what our own will is. We don't, we don't take the time to to look at that and dig into it and say, man, what is it that I want so badly that is different from what God wants from me? And I think once we see that, then we're better able to say, okay, I need to be praying on that and focusing on that and studying scripture on that. Um, kind of changing gears a little bit, just looking at the end of this uh, in earth or on earth as it is in heaven. Um, when we were going through one of the commandments, I believe it was the commandment on adultery. You asked the listeners to imagine um, how different life would be if everybody followed that commandment, what things we would have on on earth, what things we wouldn't have in our society, in our culture. And, and I think with this particular statement in this petition um, on earth as it is in heaven, when I look at what's going on today on the earth, when I look at all of the, the madness that's happening right now and all the things we're in the midst of, um, wanting or desiring or longing for, I guess would be a good way to put it, um, just a longing for heaven and that that earth would be transformed to be more like heaven. It's just that overwhelming desire of God. This mm. is not yeah. how it's meant to be. Um, it just brings out in me that desire not only to go to heaven at some point, but the, that, man, somehow through the church, through us, um, that we could somehow transform this world to be more like heaven is going to be. Mm. It's really good, man. So, again, I, I think... Uh, and, and this is a repeated thing. This is something you and I have been talking about. We've been talking about as a church for a while. Um, we're so saturated in the world, uh, that 
I don't even think we see, we can see outside of it. Like it, we're so saturated in our own will. We don't even know it anymore. You know, um, we're in the middle of, uh, Rob and I are recording this, uh, it's probably two weeks in advance, but I mean, we're in the middle of, uh, political, uh, you know, a presidential election, which is crazy and coronavirus, which is crazy. And then been politicized and weaponized by people, um, we're doing this uh, five days, six days, whatever it is, after the two uh, L.A. County sheriffs were shot in Compton, you know, on the other side of racial tension, racial unrest, um, you know, on the other side of George Floyd, where we, you know, we watched some things happen and uh, just saw racism, saw violence, saw things. And we've seen all the things take place since. So we're on the we're still in the midst of all that. You know, Rob and I aren't recording this, you know, disconnected from a culture. Um, and one of the things that's been really heavy on my heart uh, is the church's response in all these things. I think the church should speak up against racism whenever we see, uh, you know, situations of racism, issues of racism. I think we should speak. Um, I was moved by uh, uh, reading Martin Luther King's letters to a Birmingham, uh, letters from Birmingham jail. Uh, I just screwed that up. Letters from a Birmingham prison, whatever it is. Um, writing to white clergy about their their lack of engagement and how their lack of engagement and the things that they were saying to him written in like the early 60s right so so relevant 60 years later that it could be written today and so I just feel like there's struggles right that there are things um man I'm bothered by the people that are out there that are pro-black life and pastors that are speaking up in that sense who have been silent on the shooting I mean southern california pastors friends of mine uh, that are silent on the shootings. And I just feel like, man, we're in this, we're in this world right now that is so crazy, that is so disconnected from God's kingdom being lived out here on earth. So Monday morning I was I was reading this. It's in 1 Samuel 8. And the elders get together of Israel and they come to Samuel the prophet and they say, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. And it was that line, like all the nations, that just provoked my heart in a, in a unique way. And it says, and, uh, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people and all that they say for you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. There's great comfort as a pastor. Uh, sometimes I feel like things that happen, maybe I take them personally. They're not about me, right? If people reject God, they reject God, not me, right? I, I, I can't be in the midst of that moment. I love that God comforts Samuel in that. And I don't pretend to be perfect here. I'm one of the people. You know, I'm not necessarily Samuel in this story. I'm one of the people crying out for a king or whatever it is. Um, but it was the line, give us a king to judge us like all the nations, right? Appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. The church today wants to be just like the world it lives in. It wants to be caught up in the politics. It wants to vote in their next savior. It's the pro-Trump church thinks if we can just get four more years out of Trump, man, everything will be great. And the anti-Trump church, because I don't, I haven't met anybody that's pro-Biden. They're just anti-Trump, I think, I think. And I'm not putting everybody down. I'm just saying I, that's what I hear, right? But the anti-Trump folks that are Christians are like, if we can just get him out, things will be better whatever. And that, and that kind of seems to be our system. We, we have human solutions 
for our human worldly problems. When I hear Jesus say, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, you come here, bring your kingdom here, right? Take over here, not let us make our earthly solutions, fix our earthly problems. Man, I just see just the church is so caught up in its own will, its earthly solutions, that the kingdom of heaven isn't our prayer anymore. It's the kingdom of earth, be the kingdom of earth I want. My will be done here so that it'll, you know, somehow align with yours, God, right? And we're just, we've got everything so mixed up, so twisted up. And so I'm just, I am so challenged. I don't have any solutions. I don't have any answers or uh, just, I'm, I'm stirred in my own heart, provoked towards something. I don't know what it is, but man, my prayer is that we, the church, if you're listening and you're a Christian, I mean you, if you're not a Christian, I want you to hear about Jesus who loves you. Really, I'm in, I'm in two places, but for the church, Man, I want us to lay down our will, our human will, our earthly will. I want us to stop thinking that our earthly solutions are going to fix deep spiritual problems, right? Deep spirit. When we look at people and judge them by the color of their skin, instead of seeing created beauty, distinction that God made and is beautiful. And when we do that, it's a spiritual problem, right? It's a, it is a human problem, but it's a spiritual problem and brokenness and sin inside us. When we see violence against police or when we want to reject uh, order and law, it is a spiritual problem. And we need a spiritual solution. And we, we need to stop looking for a king. We need to realize we're rejecting God, not human beings. We're not rejecting police. We're not rejecting races. We're not rejecting things. We're rejecting God. That's what God said. They're rejecting me. They forgot I brought them out of Egypt. And so in this, man, laying down our will to just kind of get back to that. Your will be done, God. Let us lay down our human solutions and let us pursue God, right? We can vote. We can be engaged. We can speak. We can post on social media, whatever we want to do. But let us start seeking what God's will is. Yeah, that's a great teaching, but also a difficult one. And I would encourage everyone as we wrap this up, um, be in prayer. Just be praying, God, your will be done, not mine. Um, But I would also warn you when you pray that, be ready. Um, my will often is for my own comfort, right? My own happiness. Um, a lot of times if God calls me to his will, it, it, it means sometimes struggle and suffering and and it means maybe go to the cross, you know, what I desire. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great point. So, uh, we want to thank you for listening to the generations church podcast. Uh, next week, hopefully you'll join us. We're going to be in the petition of uh, give us this day, our daily bread. And we've got some interesting things to talk about with that. Uh, every Tuesday, we release a new guilt, grace, and gratitude podcast. And uh, we hope you'll continue to join us. Have a great week. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.